today I want to talk about church membership and what it means. We just welcomed five new members into our church body this morning, and that's a blessed thing to do, and so we're really appreciative of that. But as we celebrate and as we bring new members in, it's also a good time for us to reflect on what it means to be a member of a church and what church membership is about. And as I already mentioned, church membership is not a requirement for salvation. So there are those here this morning that are not church members, and that's fine. We, we recognize you as Christian brothers and sisters, and so there's no problem with that. You're perfectly welcome to be a part of our body, just as you are. For the most part, we know biblical membership, what it's about. We've uh, most of us that are members have been through some level of training and classes, and so we know the Bible verses and, and things. And so I'm going to take a little different perspective today. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to show a video right now for the next six to eight minutes that you're going to look at and think, what in the world does this have to do with church membership? But as we watch it, I want you to look at it from the perspective of how a body works, how a unified body works. And understand the significance of the way God puts it in nature for people, for animals, for like kind to take after like kind. And to be obedient to the, to the protection of each other, not the destruction of each other. So as we watch this clip, keep that in your mind so that you don't, know, you don't think that I'm just really going out of the way off on the edge here on this one. But um, look at, let's watch this video with the perspective of what it means to be a body, a member of a body. Okay? Now you'll notice, I'm going to video talk just a little bit through this. You notice that these are water buffalo. This is in Africa. I did not shoot this video. I would have liked to have, but I did not. And what you'll see here is the body of believers all walking together and unified. They're being led by a leader. Be very interesting. And this leader is a very strong leader. He's doing everything right. He's watching. He's on guard. He doesn't know, though, that right ahead of him is trouble. It's a huge buffalo. And what you hear in the... What's interesting about the people talking is that we have an option as we're a church member to either be on the sidelines being chatter and talking or they're crouching, participating in the resolutions. You recognize the lion as the enemy? The lion goes about seeking as a roaring lion to devour, destroy and devour who he may. So we're recognizing the lions as our enemy, and we are the buffalo. Uh-oh. It's a bull gonna do. All right, he caught wind of the lions all of a sudden. He picked up the scent. Now he's thinking, what do I do? Do I walk around him? Oh, my God. Can we get the baby? She's going for him. She's going for him. She got him. Oh, she did. She got him. 
Maybe he's, he's gone. He's just popped up buffalo here. This is what happens so often to baby Christians. They get caught by the enemy. And let's just watch what happens as the enemy is doing his best to destroy that baby buffalo. The enemy is doing his best to destroy baby Christians in our midst. Oh, guys, I'm shaking. Can you believe this? Yeah, the buffalo are coming to help this one now. Watch. They're too late. Come and help this baby. Watch. They're too late. Can they help him now, Frank? Yeah, they can. You hear people in the background? (laughs) Can they help him? No, he's dead. He's gone. Forget about him. He's done something that's never going to be recoverable. He's done. They're trying to drag him out. They're dragging him out. It's amazing how people will give. They'll talk about us, won't they? They'll talk about, well, the poor guy, he gave it his best, but that baby Christian's a goner. Then it gets worse. The crocodiles come. There's a crocodile there, too. Still doesn't look too good for the poor little yeah, buffalo, does it? But here comes the church. This is what a functioning church should do to those that are wounded and to those that are hurting. You're too late. You're too late. You guys, you cannot believe what's going on here. There's a big area between lions, crocodiles, and buffalo. Whoa! He swatted at him, he kicked at him. He's kicking at him, look. He's kicking at him. Ooh, they got him surrounded. Ooh! You got the lion on him, Ron. The calf's still alive. Yeah, it's trying to get away. It's standing up. They got him back. They do have him back. They're still chasing now, I'm sure that little calf is sore. It's a pretty good bite Gee, mark in him, him from the crocodile and from the lions. But he's safe again, isn't he? Thanks, Larry. That's what a church should do. <laughs> Rather than when we have a church member that's down or hurt, rather than kicking them and uh, either making it worse or abandoning them, what we should do is go to their aid just like these water buffalo did to that little baby. That little baby didn't deserve it. That little baby didn't do anything for that herd yet. But that little baby probably could be the next major leader in that herd because of the experience that that little baby had. That might be the next president of the United States. Understand that when we have people amongst us that are hurting and which we think maybe aren't worth going after, who knows what God's plan is for them? 
So we as a body of believers, church membership, we come around our, our people that are hurting and we protect them we, and we become a family. John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus prayed for the disciples and he also prayed for us. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What Jesus prayed for was unity in the body. Unity of believers is so important. I'm not sure which buffalo had the, right, the, the great idea to come back. And I don't know how he communicated that to the rest of the herd. But it's a good thing they were in unity to do that because one buffalo not, could not have withstood six or seven lions. But as they were unified in their approach, they came back and they rescued that baby Christian. They rescued that baby lion or that baby buffalo. And we then also have to understand how important unity is in our body. The devil wants to bring disunity. The devil wants to bring distractions. And he wants to bring division. But the Holy Spirit brings unity. Now, unity does not mean brainwashed. And simply followers without opinions. We are always going to have our own thoughts and our desires and impressions of where God is leading us. And so I'm not proposing that we become a, a cult and that everybody turn in all their material possessions and property to the church and we all commune. That's not what I'm proposing at all. That's not right. But what I am suggesting though, is that we have the freedoms and the spiritual maturity to address underlying issues that come up in a church body because even though we are to be unified, we do have disagreements. How do we handle disagreements in a church body? How do we handle those? It's so important that we know that the devil is out to destroy. And we are not going to be able to walk as a church body without having disagreements because we are so many people in a church body with different opinions and different, different um, impressions. So what we need to do then is learn how to handle various disagreements. I think we have a really good time right now to talk. And I just talk as a family because we are a church body. And I want to talk a little bit this morning that, we, that when we have areas of disagreement, that it's important that we don't give the devil a foothold in our church body that would cause division and cause problems. And most of the time, those problems start with murmuring and grumbling. Murmuring is a very serious sin that the Israelites did against Moses in the desert, and it's still a very serious threat today to our leadership and to our churches around the country and our church as well. Let me give you an example. As Paul recorded to the, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the verse 10, 10 verses, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Basically, they were operating as a spiritual family. They were a church. That's how they were operating in that time, because they all had the same spiritual conditions about them. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with, with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. 
what I think is so important here to notice is that God never wastes anything. God is not a God of waste. He has a plan for everything, and he allows things to happen to accomplish his plan so that even when people fail, God uses their failures as a way to teach future generations how not to say, have the same failure. So what God allowed here for the Israelites is for us today. It's for us to understand what happened in their scenario. Where did they fail? And how then can we avoid to have the same problems that happened to them? And so God doesn't waste these experiences. The testings and the trials that we've been talking about can be wasted if we don't apply them properly to our lives and the principles that God is trying to teach us in these times, these hard times. So let's go ahead and let's find out what was God trying to teach us through the failures of the Israelites. In verse 7, let's continue. He said, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, that people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. And we should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, or another translation says murmur, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. What's so interesting here in this passage is that we would not commit sexual immorality, most of us here. Most of us wouldn't test the Lord with direct disobedience. Most of us wouldn't have idols that were in our home, idolatry. Most of us wouldn't revelly, wouldn't participate in the partying of the world. But yet, the thing that we do most common are murmuring, And our grumbling is identified with all of these very serious sins. And what happens to murmurers and grumblers? They were killed by the destroying angel. Very serious sin. But yet, we do it so well. So I want to talk this morning about grumbling and murmuring in a church. I want to talk about, as a church body, how important it is that we do not do that. And I am not suggesting that that is going on today. I am not suggesting not pointing fingers at anyone. I don't have anything in mind other than this. I know the history of this church and the churches around the country. I've been in other churches, and I know that what happened here with divisions and separations happens other churches as well. And the same besetting sin starts it off, and it's murmuring and grumbling. So I want to talk about it this morning. And I want to talk about it namely in the perspective of music. This is a taboo topic. (laughs) But I want to talk about it front I want to talk about it today as a family member. I want to talk about it as a leader. And I want us to understand how important it is that we understand how volatile the topic of worship can be in a church setting. First of all, let's talk a little bit, bit about the history of music. Music is very, very powerful. Lucifer was, well, some think, and I think it can be argued, that Lucifer was the worship leader of heaven before his fall. 
He was one of the best angels God ever created, probably the first one that he created and the most, one of the most powerful ones. And he had a very significant influence in heaven. And a lot of it might have result, revolved around music. So when Satan fell, what did he bring with him? The power, the gifting that he had as a musical person or a musical angel came with him in the fall. That's why music is so powerful in the worldly persuasion today. That's why music can be so um, invading in our lives. It can bring back memories. You, you play the 70s, and automatically you go back in your mind to when you first heard that song or when you were singing it with your first girlfriend or boyfriend. Music has the ability to bring us back to uh, amazing memories. It's very powerful. Music also is very powerful scripturally and spiritually because it is a call to worship. And it is quite often the introduction to warfare because that's what brings us into spiritual warfare is music. There's many occasions in the Old Testament, and we're not going to get into them right now, how music was uh, preceding the, war the warriors. In fact, the walls of Jericho were brought down with music. So music is very powerful. So I want to talk a little bit about music, and I want to talk about it and how I bring it into the philosophy that I bring as a pastor and the significance of, of music and the significance of worship in our, in our church. Understand that, I hope you can understand, how seriously I take the role of being a pastor, and I really pray. And I pray every week for God's message. I pray every week that he gives me the word to lead you. I don't want to ever do it on my own. And I do so name, namely because of James chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So when I know that I'm standing up here teaching to you, I know that I am going to be judged more strictly on what I say. Therefore, I'm very concerned about that, and I want to make sure that I'm teaching Bible. And with this said, I know that the Holy Spirit has a plan for each and every service. I really do believe that he has this orchestrated out, that he knew from the very beginning of creation that Shalva Assembly of God was going to be here September 11th, 2011, and we were going to have this service today. And he had a plan for it, and he has a plan for it, and my job as a pastor, as a leader, is to follow the plan that he has. And so my job then is to be spiritually sensitive to hear the voice of the Lord. Am I perfect? No, I'm not. Will I make mistakes? Yes, I will. I pray your indulgence with me and know that I'm trying my best. Now, how does this apply to worship? I see worship as being probably as important as a pastor, as a pastoring role. We talked about how music is brought in to, it brings us into a state of worship. My philosophy here as a pastor is that I look at Jackie as our worship leader as, as spiritually responsible for this church body as I am for this church body. We're fortunate that we have a worship leader that is Holy Spirit-filled and Holy Spirit-led. I know a lot of churches that don't have that, and they struggle in that area of worship. We're blessed. doesn't mean Jackie's perfect. I want you to know that. But I know Jackie's heart. I hold Jackie to pray and to be spiritually sensitive every week to make sure that she's singing, leading us into the, war, into the songs that bring us into spiritual warfare for our benefit. 
to lead us into an agreement so that we're unified. It's amazing to me how when we are operating that way that quite often what I bring about in a message is what this adult Sunday school class talked about. Unorchestrated because I don't read the lessons first. But it's amazing how God brings things together. He has a plan. Worship and music is part of that plan. And I think that we don't, we have to be very careful that we don't become murmurers and grumblers if we don't like the music. Now hear me here. Don't check out. I'm not saying that we're going to do everything that Jackie likes. This isn't about Jackie, like what Scott said last week. In fact, Scott, I believe, that was orchestrated by the Lord for Scott to say what he said so that this is something we can talk about today. What Scott said yet last week was not wrong. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about us worshiping the God. It's us worshiping the Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we come into a worship setting like this, we are trusting our leaders to be spiritually sensitive, to bring a spiritual word from the Lord, and to bring us into spiritual worship and leadership. I think it's very important that we don't look at music as a popularity vote. You would never even consider that I would come to you today and say, okay, what do you want me to preach about next week? And ask you to give me a vote. What do you want me to preach about? Do you want me to preach about sin? Do you want me to preach about prosperity? What do you want me to preach about? You would never expect a pastor to come to you and ask you that, would you? No, because you're expecting a pastor to be spiritually sensitive, to hear from the voice of God, and to preach the Word. And the preaching the Word can be hard. It can be in your face. It can be confrontational. But if he's listening well, then the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to bring the Word of God alive to you to make a difference in your life. And isn't that what you want? Aren't you wanting that in your church? So in the same way, we should be praying for our worship leader to bring the same spiritual sensitivity to the music that she selects or he selects so that we are asking the Lord to bring uh, his authority and his purpose into the worship setting, not mine or not hers or not by popularity vote. Now, I know that we all need to be, and with that said, I know that as a leader, I need to know my audience. I need to know the personality of who I'm leading. We need to be aware of our, our, of our audience. And Jackie needs to be aware of it too. We know that we like conventional music. We like new music. We like it all. So what we need to do is be comfortable with the mix. Not any one person's way over another person's. And that's where the popularity vote comes in. And that's where the grumbling and the murmuring comes in. Because somebody say, I did not like worship today. It was terrible. And I go home and I talk to my wife about it. And guess what? Your kids overhear it. And what are you doing to them? You're teaching them to be a murmurer. And you're teaching them death. Just so you know that. That's what the Bible said. Spiritual death comes from murmuring and grumbling. What we should do then is pray. Pray for me. Pray for Jackie. Pray for your Sunday school teacher. Pray for every person in leadership. Pray for our youth leaders, that they're being taught the Word of God, that they're being sensitive to teach our young people the Word of God. And that's the way we need to operate as a church. We need to be unified, and we need to have a unity in our spirit. 
and not let division because the devil wants to seek and destroy. He wants to come in and separate us. If he can go in and separate the weakness, the weak ones out of the, out of the shepherd or out of the herd, out of the flock, he goes after that one, doesn't he? But if we stay together unified, the devil doesn't have a chance against us. And it's important that we talk about this today because I know this church has been through some significant divisions in the past. And, and there's some reading that I've been doing and I believe teaching in the future that talked about, that's going to talk about the Satan's strategies. And the seriousness of this is that churches that have been through splits have lingering issues that will take them through more splits, more issues, if we don't address them. So my role here is to address them joyfully, peacefully, in a loving way, not to hurt anybody, but just to say, guys, let's not be afraid of talking about the facts. The facts is we're all different. The facts is we like different things. But the fact is, too, that if we're going to be a unified body of believers, we need to put other people's feelings over our own. Because that music that just might be grinding me may be blessing somebody just across the church. And then we sing the next song, and that song is grinding them, and it may be blessing me. You see how it works? We have to, therefore, then be allowed, allowing ourselves to deal with it. Sometimes you may have to praise in spite of the music. You know what that's called? A sacrifice of praise. We're to, sac- we're to bring sacrifice to praise to God in all things. We're to give him thanks in all situations, not just the ones that make me happy. So I just wanted to address that today so that we could get on the same page when it comes to worship. So that we could understand that, to, that when we don't like something, that it doesn't give us liberty to murmur against it. It doesn't give us liberty to grumble against it. Because that's spiritual death. Does this make sense? Are we okay? I think this is a good way to talk about something. I think it's a good way as a family to have unity in this family, in this body. We want nothing more than for people to be healthy and to be strong and to grow this body and to become a light for Jesus in our community. And we do that through unity. As Jesus prayed, that the reason that he wanted unity was that, therefore, that the world would know that God sent Jesus into the world. The way that God, the way that Charlevoix knows is because we're unified and then they see Jesus coming through us as unified believers, not hearing nitpicking little things amongst the believers about grumbling about our church or about our leadership. So with that said, I've got one more video I want to show you. And this is what, this is the way that we don't want to worship, okay? But yet so often... It happens. So let's watch this next little video. I will will sing of your love on Sundays. Only sing of your love on Sundays. I will sing of your love on Sundays. Then this feeling is gone by I will give you little I 
Sometimes true. Come on now, be honest. I know sometimes I sing the songs and I just don't that I can believe them, but yet I'm singing them. Let's not be that way. Let's be the body of Christ that is vibrant, that is authentic, that is really doing the best that we can do for Jesus. Let's know we're people. Let's know we make mistakes. Let's forgive each other, like we talked about in communion, how important it is that we do that. And let's get along. And let's be vibrant for this community. Let's invite Jesus in every one of our services. Trust. I pray that, you, I pray that you've learned to trust me and you've learned to trust Jackie and that we do the best we can. You're welcome to come talk to me anytime or to come to talk to Jackie, but I prefer you not to talk to each other about us. Okay? I mean, you're welcome to have me over for dinner. Just don't eat me. <laughs> or don't eat Jackie for dessert. Okay? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for ministering to us today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for, first of all, that you love us. Secondly, that you have a sense of humor, too. 
and that you see the mistakes that we make and that you look down at us and what you're looking is not at the mistakes, but you're looking at the heart. And we misspeak all the time. We call people the wrong names and we pray the wrong things at communion and we do stupid things. But, Lord, you're looking at the heart, and I appreciate that. And I know that you're giving Jackie a heart of praise and a heart of worship. And, Lord, and I pray for Jackie. I pray for the worship team. I pray that you inspire them and you lead them and you bring us into unity, Lord, when it comes to worship. And I pray for every Sunday school teacher and every teacher and every uh, leader. And I pray for Drew and Riley as they're leading our youth. I pray that you give them your word that you want to give to those youth that week. A fresh, new, and alive. Bring them, teach them, Father. Teach us all to be a unified body. To love you, to serve you, and to have fun together as we work in your vineyard. We ask this all in Jesus' name.